1: Good evening and welcome to From the Median, where we are concerned with the middle ground, not just to understand both sides of an argument, but also to awaken the consciences of those who are neutral or indifferent to this, the greatest civil rights movement of all times, the pro-life movement. Listeners, as always, wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining. And I have got another wonderful guest joining us, a brand new guest. And I love it when I get new guests because it's always very exciting for the listeners and for myself. I get to know a new person. And I'm going to actually start off this interview by reading you something that is on the Amazon's website. And it's it's the description of a book. After we finish reading the, the description of the book, I'll tell you about the book and we will be talking to the author. So wonderful opportunities right now for you all to to really dig into some things about marriages, marriages in the Bible. Have you ever wondered how God sees your marriage and what he would say about it? If you read the Bible carefully, you will discover how God describes a variety of marriages. There is a reason he shares these marriages in detail, including some marriages that are good, some that are dysfunctional, and some that are spiritual. That are actually quite spiteful, in fact. Marriages in the Bible, the sixth offering from Gary H. Lovejoy, PhD, reveals God's perspective on biblical marriages so readers may discover the essential ingredients for happy, fulfilling, lasting unions as God intends us and how to identify ways to shipwreck them. Gary is going to join us right now. Dr. Lovejoy is with us. So wonderful to have you with us, Dr. Lovejoy. Thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you so much for inviting me onto your show, Molly.
1: Your book, which people can buy, and I will put this up on our website. Again, just go to Marriages in the Bible or put in Gary H. Lovejoy, PhD, and the, the book will pop up and you'll be able to purchase it there. And I know once we finish listening to our discussion today, Dr. Lovejoy, we're going to really, I think people are really going to find that this is going to be a very useful book to have. It's interesting. You have got a background in psychology. You uh, you earned your degree in psychology from California State University. You've got an MA from the California State University and an MRE degree from Fuller Theological Seminary. You've also got a PhD from United States International University. You were in private practice in professional counseling for over 40 years. Wow, awesome. Specializing in marriage counseling and the treatment of anxiety disorders and depression. And now you've written this book. Tell us a little bit about why did you decide that this was a book you're going to write?
0: Well, as uh, having all that experience in uh, marriage counseling, you, uh, as you might guess, I'm very interested in reading anything that has to do with marriage. And uh, so I've read many, many marriage books, and um, and many of them are good. I mean, they have uh, good principles, and they they uh, identify principles and, sub, uh, and substantiate them by uh, various biblical passages. But one of the things I noticed is that none of them ever Examine in any kind of detail uh, the actual marriages in the Bible, and uh, and so I decided to go back and take a look at uh, the actual marriages in the Bible. And I examined them. And of course, I don't cover every marriage because uh, that would that would be a five hundred page book. But <laughs> but uh, but I take seventeen marriages, and um, uh, but I asked myself the question: Why did God provide so much detail about these marriages? And, uh, and God is not random. He Everything he does is with purpose. So I began to study these uh, marriages, and I began to discover that in each of them, he is teaching us something about marriage, either something, to, you know, what works in marriage or what doesn't work in marriage. Um, and so and, and so he's, he details marriages that are good marriages, bad marriages, sometimes downright awful marriages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... In each of them, he is teaching us about marriage. In fact, you might think of it as like a, all these marriage descriptions as a kind of uh, jigsaw puzzle where you take each of these pieces and put them together. At the end of the book, uh, assemble them together and it forms a beautiful picture of the blueprint of a happy, lasting marriage. And... Um, And so, God is teaching us about marriage. I mean, when Jesus, oftentimes they're referring to comments that Jesus made in the New Testament, Jesus predominantly addressed the issue of permanence of marriage Mm -hmm. and divorce, Mm -hmm. uh, that the issue that was at stake then. However, uh, in the marriages, he describes in much more detail all the different aspects as as God sees of it. So I wanted to to, uh, write a book that was about marriage and how to have a lasting happy relationship, and that, that and that the principles by which that is takes place is are those whom God uh directly uh, identified, mm-hmm. and so it becomes something of of God's own revelation. About marriage. After all, he is the author of marriage.
1: Exactly. And, and, and all there, just right there in the Bible for us to unpack. And you've done it for us. You say that, that marriage is a complex union. You know, so many of us go into marriage, you know, sort of a little bit. Uh, Glassy-eyed and all, you know. Oh my goodness! This is that we were, you know, this is wonderful. Everything's over now. We've we found our mate, and that's going to be wonderful, and all the rest of it. But you <laughs> say this is that this is a complex union. What do you mean by this?
0: Well, I think marriage, when we look at it carefully, uh, is a, is is indeed very complex because it involves the, the meshing of two family histories, uh, cross pollinization of two sets of interpersonal communication habits, two sets of expectations of what one uh, is hoping to happen in marriage, and two sets of conflict resolution skills, um, two sets of families of origin. So these often uh, conflict with each other. And we think that um, that once we have left, sometimes people have lived in very conflictual families and they view marriage as an escape from the, the past, an escape from... Uh, the, the families that they came from, but what they often do is um, bring their families with them mm-hmm. in terms of their uh, the habits and uh, expectations that they learned at home, and uh, these then tend to clash in marriage. And oftentimes, that when a when a couple comes in to see me, I will ask them a little bit about what are their expectations at the beginning. What what do they expect to see, and then. Uh, talk a little bit about their families and and families of origin, how they resolve conflict in their families of origin, how they uh, communicate with each other, how they uh, express affection, um, how they had what kind of interpersonal communication they had and so forth. And once you take a look at that, you see the clashing styles, you begin to realize just how complex uh, the marital union really is that most people don't realize. And that that's one reason why, marriage is one of the greatest opportunities for growth because uh because sometimes people are so threatened by these differences that they try to subdue them and uh, try to in a sense become clones of one another so they can eliminate their differences but when they do that then they eliminate the interest value of the relationship because in terms of um, our relationship with another uh, we don't want to, in the long run, for example, my wife, I, do, I don't want her to be a clone of me. I already know me. So uh, <laughs> the consequence is that we become bored with each other. That's the uh, I've had relationships sitting in front of me. You, know, you don't know what's wrong, but there's something wrong. They can't put their finger on Well, what's wrong is that they are working so hard to avoid dealing with their yeah. differences that they become bored. And we, we're attracted to each other by similarities. But our relationship is lasting because of how our negotiations differences.
1: Different. Yeah, absolutely. That's so. That that is so true. Because I think you know that that's part of what we we try to do. And sometimes we, you know, the partners try to try to get the, the other person to clone to be like me, but then you're absolutely right. That's a very, very, you know, boring sort of carrying, you know, to go, going through life with everybody look, thinking exactly the same way that, you know, that's obviously not, not what we want to do. Who in the, in the, is the first person in a marriage to sound the alarm to trouble and why is, why does
0: that happen? Uh, that's a good question, and the research clearly shows that between seventy and eighty percent of women are the ones who initiate divorce. Uh, women far more are far more likely to initiate divorce than men, uh, and this applies to marriages of all age ranges, regardless of whether the couples uh, in their twenties or in their nineties. In fact, we've actually, as uh, you just read an article the other day. That indicated that uh, marriages of uh, people over 65 are breaking up three times more commonly than they did 30 years ago. Wow. Wow. And, uh, and the question and many times when the woman is initiating a divorce, she usually has, uh, my experience, has two major complaints. One is uh, they complain of neglect. Uh, emotionally and physically. And when I say physically, I don't mean just merely sexual, but but also just touch, um, uh, being able to caress one another and so forth, and just being able to, to hold hands, just to, uh, arm around the waist, those kinds of, of physical uh, touch that indicates affection. Um, and, uh, and emotionally, of course, they may be isolated. And so they feel extremely lonely in the marriage. And it's interesting because sometimes people get married to avoid loneliness, avoid being alone. And yet, when they get married, some of the loneliest people I've met were uh, in the in the middle of marriage because the, there was so much neglect going on. The other uh, thing that they often complain about is that uh, is the husbands are controlling, and so that their marriage has become a power struggle from day one, and they hate that. Uh, women more often initiate divorce. Uh, uh, because, at least more so in the past, uh, because women now have more job opportunities and have higher independent incomes. In fact, some of them make more money than their husbands. So it makes getting a divorce less financially risky than it was in the past. And likewise, uh, divorces have become easier to get, especially after the legalization of no-fault divorces in most states. While men gain more benefits from marriage, such as better health, uh, longer life expectancy being taken care of domestically and so forth, women don't enjoy the same perks. And thus, men are less likely to initiate divorce. And I think that uh, the thing that's interesting in this regard is, uh, and as we know, marital dissatisfaction doesn't typically happen overnight. And usually by the time they arrive at my office, their their marriage is hanging by a slim thread. Um but women are usually socialized to be more emotionally aware than men, and so they are more likely to perceive problems in a relationship earlier. And women are also better communicators than men and are more likely to talk, want to talk about their problems, uh, which they perceive. Because men are less likely to have the emotional awareness uh, to see as clearly the problems and the communication skills to talk about them, this can lead women to feeling as if their needs are not being met in the relationship. In terms of men's unhappiness, it's often because they feel a lack of respect. The whole issue of the sense of adequacy is extraordinarily important to men. And when they get constant criticism or nagging, which is, uh, can be real marriage killers, they often feel like they never do anything right in their wives' eyes. No matter what they do, it's wrong. And, uh, and that goes to the heart of their sense of adequacy. And so that uh, they feel resentful. When they feel resentful, they withdraw mm-hmm. and, uh, and find other things to occupy their time, which then exacerbates the women's feeling of being neglected. So they, they interact in their interaction pattern reinforces each other's uh, uh, predilections. Yeah.
1: Let's go back to the to the whole idea as to why you wrote this book, pulling in the the marriages in the Bible and mm-hmm. using the Bible as a as a sort of a guideline as a how to you know how to mm-hmm. and how not to. Um, you you do uh, you cite Abraham's greatest weakness within his marriage. What is
0: that? Right, uh, Abraham was a, an interesting complex figure. Um, he was a bold man when it came to his faith in God. I mean, when God tells him to take his family and his stock and, and, uh, and head south to the land of Canaan, he didn't know what he was going to run into. He didn't know whether it was going to be hostile people or whatever or whether he could make a living. But because God directed him to uh, go to the land of Canaan, he, he went. He's, so in that sense, he was a real risk-taker. But when it came to domestic things, he was just the opposite. Uh, and he did, he failed to protect his wife. Not once, but twice. He, uh, he shoved his wife out there and said, she's my sister, because he feared that for his life, uh, with, uh, first with the Pharaoh and then uh, with, uh, Abimelech. And, um, and I have often said, you know, if your, if your husband, uh, uh, you're walking down the street and you see a dicey-looking person coming towards you and your husband shoves you in front of you. Here, here, take her, she's my <laughs> sister, uh, don't harm me, I don't think you'd be too impressed <laughs> no, exactly. with, with this protectiveness. And, um, and he did that not just once but twice. And then later on, uh, when uh, Hagar had her child, she was constantly harassing Sarah. This was going like, right under Abraham's nose and he was doing nothing about it. And Sarah finally became livid over this, and saw that he wasn't protecting her. And he and one of the angriest exchanges in all the Bible. occurred when um, when Sarah goes to Abraham and, and demands action, says, "You do something." You know, she's dr- making me feel. She already felt bad because she was barren, and now she felt was feeling worse because of what Hagar was uh, saying to her. And so, um, so what? Did, what was his response? Abraham's response was simply to wash his hands of it and say, well, you take care of it yourself. Just deal with it with whatever way to do it. Well, that was bad uh, advice because she was already angry and resentful, so she mistreated her. And eventually she ran away, and Abraham had to go and retrieve her. All this could have been avoided if he had just been direct and using... Uh, uh, his authority, the husband, that to, to protect his wife, and I see that oftentimes in in counseling, that, that uh, it's either one, but it's sometimes the husband will not protect his wife. Uh, maybe she's being uh, mistreated. Sometimes what happens um, uh, in a family is the family, uh, especially if there's an enmeshed relationship between the husband and his own family of origin, they don't want to let go of it. Mm-hmm. And so they are constantly trying to control him, and he bends to their will, well, often to the uh, exclusion of his wife, and they may even put the wife down. Maybe their relatives will put her down. He doesn't say anything. She may complain to him, and he may say, oh, don't worry about it. You're there. They are who they are. Just let it run off your back instead of protecting her, and eventually that leads to um, deep resentment on the part of the wife, and, and rightly so. And what happens is, then, uh, in fact, I've seen people get divorced over that very issue. So it's very that's an important issue. What God is teaching us through Abraham's marriage is be protective of your spouse. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let other people attack your spouse without coming to their defense, because otherwise they feel unprotected, therefore unloved. And so that's an example of something of marriage. And one other marriage, I mean, other many marriages, each of them are, are fascinating in terms of uh, what they teach. But another one is with um, King Hezekiah and his wife, uh, Hephzibah. And most people have heard of Hezekiah, of course. He was one of the greatest kings of Judah. But very few people have heard of his wife, Hephzibah but she was a uh, equally godly woman he he was a godly king and she was a godly woman she actually came from a priestly family and um and the two of them got uh, were known for cleansing the nation of Israel of its idolatry and its pagan practices and its Canaanite rituals and so forth so uh, they had really reformed the nation well then Hezekiah dies, and his son takes the throne, and his son was Manasseh, and Manasseh was one of the most wicked kings Judah ever had in its history, and so Hezekiah continued to live on, and she was the queen mother, and she had to watch her son violate and destroy everything she and her husband had uh, had built in the nation of Israel, Now, what a sad experience, but what's interesting is God's response to that. God gives the responsibility because then oftentimes when when this happens uh a couple will say, "Gee, where'd we go wrong? Our son or our daughter has left the faith, they are living a life totally alien to what we have taught them. Where'd we go wrong and they feel guilty. but what God is dealing with this is uh is telling uh, sheba that that Manasseh is responsible for his own choices and his own decisions. You know, he's decided to violate God's principles. It's not because of you, it's because of him. And so he places the the responsibility for that sin on the right person, which was Manasseh. And that's important for, for couples... Um, who have a child who's wandered away from the faith, and they're, and they're taking on the guilt themselves. And it's a false guilt, is what God is teaching. And so even in that relationship, it uh, illustrates a, a very important point about, um, about relationships and about uh, common experience of, uh, of couples when uh, their child does not uh, conform to what their expectations were. Gary. So, exactly.
1: Yeah, you know, you you again. We're talking to 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 Dr. Gary Love uh, Lovejoy, who and and. We're talking about his most recent book, Marriages in the Bible. What do they tell us? You can get this on Amazon. You can just go there and put in Gary H. Lovejoy and, uh, or, or Marriages in the Bible and, and the, and the website will pop up and the book will pop up. And I will put this on our website as well so that if you want to, you can go there and, and purchase it. And I, I, I'm, I'm loving the fact that you're bringing this from a biblical perspective, Gary, Dr., Dr. Lovejoy. And it's, it's, it's so important that we hear these things and 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 thank you for doing this because you've put it all into perspective where i mean a lot of the things that you talk about in your book are are exactly the things we in a marriage as you 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 deal with and 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 you struggle with um in in sort of in looking at some of the stuff you you've you've put out there um you do talk about as well the fact that it's marriage marriages are Easily routine, routinized so that everything becomes a routine. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you mean by this?
0: That's a very good question. Uh, a lot of times, um, marriages become merely habitual, a daily routine we go through day after day. It dulls uh, the fissures that are developing. You know, there's a lack of excitement in the relationship. It's it's kind of like the death of a marriage by a thousand cuts, um, because and and from sometimes uh, from the dysfunctional patterns um, occur. In a very routinized way, that is, they repeat them over and over and over. They, in fact, most couples, if you ask them, uh, what are uh, maybe describing some, um, uh, incident that was very distressing to them and i and i will ask them has this ever happened before and they roll their eyes and say this all so the this time <laughs> yeah and, and in fact oftentimes they, they engage in what they call what i call self-summarizing syndrome mm-hmm. where they're constantly summarizing well if you did this well no you haven't heard me what i'm really saying is yeah. and they just repeat it yeah. over and over yeah. and over again and so there's a lot of uh, routinization or uh, becomes routine and so it either because they are trying to to cover their differences and they're, they're becoming clones of one another, or it's because um, they have buried themselves in the routines of family. And I, in fact, oftentimes what you'll find is that, that uh, a couple will remain together for maybe uh, 20 years. And it's during those years, they are raising their children and they're pouring all their energies into their yep. children and very little energy into each other. And so when their children leave home, they look at each other and they say, who are you? I don't know. I, I'm the other strangers because they've never really invested in their relationship with each other. And they realize they have very little uh, left in their relationship. And they're, so you'll see in the divorce statistics uh, uh, a, a sudden bump yeah uh, about the age of forty five which is the age where uh, or in the forties or fifties um, where the child the children, children alive, start the child leaving, yeah
1: alive. they start leaving home and then you see all these things that we were we were so busy and and it's a very normal thing i would say you you, probably, you everybody does it because you do you tend to 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 focus a lot on your kids because they demand it you know i think it's right. a, it's, it's an absolute demand but it's a it, i I love the fact that you're pointing these things out uh, so that we can we can address them as we're going through our lives together, because while, yes, you have to spend all this time together to, and should be together to, and focusing on your children, that the reason we always used to say to our kids when they were growing up, it's like, you've, the reason why you're here is because the mom and dad love each other. So give us some space here. Move, move.
0: <laughs> excellent. Yes. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, you know, I, I see all this thing and I, the book is absolutely excellent. Marriages in the Bible, what do they tell us? And again, the, the, the author is Dr. Uh, Gary H. Lovejoy. But you can get that on, on Amazon. Just go there and, and order it. Last question. We've got about a minute and a half finished before we have to go to the end. What advice? Can you give me advice in, in a minute and a half? What advice do you give well, us?
0: Well, I, I think I'll address the, the issue that we were just talking about in terms of, of being uh, getting out of the routines. I think uh, often uh, uh, in counseling, I've dealt with uh, people and I've said in the sense of saying – Do something different, Mm -hmm. you know. I said, "What do they say?" What do you mean? Well, ask yourself, "What do I? How do I usually react in this situation?" And whatever way, whatever answer comes back to you, do something different. Oh, okay. uh, and uh, I, I did that with a couple who came in who had involved in a pattern of, a very dysfunctional pattern of arguing every day. They had been doing it for five years. I don't know how they survived that long, but uh, they had been doing it five years. They were exhausted and they were on the brink of divorce. And, um, and the wife was the one that came in uh, and initially and, and uh, shared her troubles. And so I said, do you know how he responds when he comes home? Oh, yeah, I know exactly how he's going to respond. And then I said, do, do you, does he know how you're going to respond? And she smiled uh, slightly and she said, well, yeah, he knows how I'm going to respond because I don't take it take what he says lying down. I'm a fighter. And so then they engage in this, these battles. I said, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do something a little different than that. Uh, fill your, uh, get a, uh, go by the store and pick up a squirt gun and fill it with water and put it in your purse. <laughs> the next, the next time, the next time he comes in the house and he's just uh, rants and raves and he didn't he hated his job and he took it out on her, and so the next time he does that, instead of yelling back and having an argument with him, pull out your gun and give him a squirt, <laughs> and then run out of the room and then run out of the room giggling. And, and he said do you think that'll be different oh boy would that be different yeah. <laughs> <love> so <laughs> and so he uh so she went home and two weeks later she came back and she was radiant
1: oh, and so uh, awesome. eventually
0: uh eventually he joined us and we had a very uh, um, wonderful um, okay. that is such a fun way to to to, to yeah. address well, what, that absolutely yeah. Yeah. what happened in that was she we, went back and she said it was amazing she says i swear to him but i had to look and see how he's responding and he's standing there with a Look on his face, what was all that about? And <laughs> rip, but it ended the argument, that's and then exactly she, right. it happens right. yeah. the good, third good. time that happened, she pulled her pistol out, aimed, he toward her, aimed it toward him, and he was looking down the barrel of his squirt gun exactly. And they had an old fashioned squirt gun uh, fight and running through that. the house and laughing like crazy. And they fell down on the, the living room floor, laughing their heads off. And then they looked at each other and said, you know, this is the first time we've laughed. Exactly. And Dr. LaJoy, like
1: a wonderful, yeah. wonderful book. Wonderful. And folks, please go get it and have some fun with it and and, and learn something. I, I'm so thrilled that you came on the program. Thank you very, very much for doing that. Gary, Lovejoy. joy. Yeah, thank you so much, Gary. Take okay, take care. And God bless you lots. And keep writing books. We love to. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Bye-bye. God bless you. bye Bye-bye. 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 Don't go anywhere. I will be back with you right after this very short break with another world class, inspiring guest.